Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Jeremiah 31 is an amazing chapter, but Jeremiah 31, 20, if we didn't have that verse, we wouldn't know how God feels when his children sin. Because there it's talking about Ephraim, the tribe of Ephraim, but it shows the heart of God when it says in Jeremiah 31, 20, Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? For since I spake against him, I do earnestly remember him still. Therefore, my bowels are troubled for him. I will surely have mercy upon him, saith the Lord. He starts off, he calls Ephraim my dear child, a pleasant child. He says about Ephraim, I do earnestly remember him. And then he says something which is just amazing when God says, my bowels are troubled for him. What an amazing statement for God to be talking about. My bowels are troubled for him. How much more graphic can God be when your bowels are troubled? It's the worst feeling. And then, you know, I don't know. Go down to Mexico, eat something you shouldn't eat, drink something you shouldn't drink, and you'll know what it is to have your bowels troubled. But this is what God says. Is this how he feels? When we turn away from him, as Ephraim did, to idolatry, he is so deeply troubled. And the context of that statement in Jeremiah 31, when God said he was deeply troubled about hearing about, is so interesting because it says up a few verses above that in Jeremiah 31, 18. Jeremiah 31, 18, he said, I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. And this is what Ephraim says. Thou hast chastised me. And I was chastised as a bullock unaccustomed to the oak. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned, for thou art the Lord my God. Surely after I was turned, I repented. And after that, I was instructed. I smote upon my thigh. I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. See, what it says there is that God, I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. Isn't that what Joseph did? Isn't that what Joseph was doing here? When Joseph was hearing the brothers bemoan themselves, we are verily guilty concerning our brother and that we saw the anguish of his soul and, 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 they, and they didn't hear his cries. They were bemoaning themselves and this broke Joseph's heart. That's why he's crying. And this broke the heart of God. When he, this is why he said, my bowels are troubled within me. And so... Because and, and he heard Ephraim say that they knew God had chastened them. They knew that. Just like the brothers knew that this distress is, they're going to come to the point where they're going to say this has come from God. And then God hears Ephraim really get honest, really get honest and say, they're honest to God. It's, this is a real honest to God statement. When they say to God, turn thou me 
and I shall be turned, for thou art the Lord my God. This is Ephraim now saying to God, I'm so sick with sin, I can't turn myself. I can't turn myself back from God. I can't stop sinning. I can't stop with these idols. You can feel in anything. I can't stop with the pornography. I can't stop with the drugs. I can't stop with the alcohol. I can't stop with whatever. This is Ephraim saying that. I'm so sick with sin, I can't turn myself back to God. So what they're saying in this verse is, so God, please turn me back. Just like a young bull, a young bull that has to be turned. That's being honest to God. That's honest. We shouldn't fall so far away from God that we have to ask God to chasten us, to bring us back. But sometimes that's the only way to come back. And then they said in Jeremiah 31, 19, Jeremiah 31, 19, surely after that I was turned, I repented. Now, they said after that I was turned, then I repented. They didn't say after I turned myself, after I turned myself back to God, then I repented. They said after he turned me back. Then I repented. And then Ephraim said, after that I was instructed, I smote upon my thigh. They said, I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. That's the talk that God heard when he said in the next verse, my bowels are troubled in me. I will surely have mercy upon him, saith the Lord. Now, we can also see this sympathetic pain that God has for Israel when they turned to idols and then turned back to him in Judges. Unfortunately, we have many examples of these things in the Bible. So Judges chapter 10, verse 15, Judges chapter 10, verse 15, where it says, and the children of Israel said unto the Lord, we have sinned. Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Deliver us only, we pray, this day. And they put away the strange gods from among them and served the Lord. And then there's an amazing statement here. It talks about God. It says, and his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. This is the time when Israel, they'd forsaken the Lord. They had worshiped and served the gods of you name it, and they took it. Gods of Syria, gods of Philistines, gods of the Amorites. So God then delivers them into their hands. And says, you like their gods? How do you like to be ruled over by them? And just like the brothers here before Joseph, they repent. And they told God in Judges 10, 15, Judges 10, 15, we have sinned. We have sinned. Just like the brothers say, we are verily guilty. And as a matter of fact, just like the brothers didn't just say, well, you know, yeah, we sinned. Oh, yeah, we're guilty. No, the brothers were specific. We have sinned in that we saw the anguish of his soul and would not hear. So those were two specific areas they said they were very specific in. Israel was also specific in Judges 10.10. Judges 10.10, the children of Israel cried unto the Lord saying, we have sinned against thee both because we have forsaken our God and also served Balaam. Very specific. And God was hard on Israel. God was hard on Israel, just like Joseph is being hard on his brothers. But just like Joseph was broken to tears at this point during this really what was a painful process, so the Lord felt so terrible for Israel during this process that he was being hard on them that God said how terrible he felt in Judges 10.16, Judges 10.16, when he said his soul was grieved for the misery 
of Israel. His soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. Just imagine those words. I mean, God's soul being grieved for the misery of Israel. How much do you really hear about God's soul in the Bible? And when have we ever heard of God's soul being grieved? And why was God's soul grieved? Why was his soul grieved? It was because of the misery, the misery of Israel. He was feeling the misery. That's who God is. God has a tremendous heart of sympathy, compassion, empathy. He's got this heart for our misery and our affliction that comes the result of our sin. God never says, that serves you right. I'm glad. He doesn't do that. He feels our affliction when our affliction is because of our sin. He feels that. It says that in Isaiah 63.8, Isaiah 63.8, for he said, surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them in his love and his pity. He redeemed them, he bare them, he carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy and he fought against them. Imagine that. God, because of their rebellion, becomes their enemy, and he fights. It says God fights against Israel, but during that whole process, he's broken over it. He's just broken over it, he's, and every time he fights against them and hurts them, it's like the Father says, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. It's really true with God. So Israel rebelled. God became their enemy. God fought against them, and all the while, his heart is broken for them. Just as Joseph's heart was broken for his brothers as he was putting them in the prison and accusing them of being spies and threatening to kill them. And this all shows us, as an illustration here, what kind of a person God is. He's tenderhearted. He has sympathy. He sympathizes with our misery. And that's why it says in Hebrews 4.15, Hebrews 4.15, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all point tempted like as we are yet without sin. So we see all this, Joseph weeping, the Lord's bowels troubled, the Lord's soul being grieved. It's all encompassed in this word touched in Hebrews, where it says he was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. The Lord's not hard-hearted. He's not hard-hearted. He's touched with the feeling of our weaknesses. So we can imagine how Joseph, during this time, I don't think he slept very well all during this time. I think he had some pretty sleepless nights as he was troubled for his brothers. So he's got this, So and, and in this point here, he can't contain himself, he finds a private place, and he just has this good cry. And now what it says in verse 24 is that he turned himself about from them, wept, and returned to them and communed with them. He returns to them because there's really no other place that Joseph would have rather have been than to be with his brothers. You know, he didn't say, oh, I can't stand to be with you guys. I'm getting out of here. I'm gonna, you, you take care of it. No. He returned to them, and then we've got this wonderful word to describe what he did there when it says he communed with them. What does that word mean? What does communed mean? Fellowship. Okay, what is the word that has commune in it except you drop the E at the, at the end? Communicate. Communication, that's it. He communicates, okay? So in other words, he communicated with his brothers. They just talked. They just talked. Can you see that? 
I mean, we can imagine how, 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 how this comforted the brothers just to have this man, they didn't know it was Joseph, Joseph talking with them as they thought, oh good, as long as he talking, keep him talking because then he'll be friendly to us. <laughs> but what they're really seeing in this man, which is really probably very confusing to them, is this oscillation. They're seeing this oscillation between, you know, your spies, I'm going to kill you, and I fear God, and now I'm talking with you. This oscillation of being harsh and being kind. That's characteristic of a person that doesn't want to crush and destroy, but wants to correct and build up. And when it says that Joseph communed with them, it shows us how Joseph had fellowship with them and spoke with them. And and what a scene that is. I mean, they think that Joseph is an Egyptian, and they have no idea that this man is their brother, Joseph. But Joseph knows they are his brothers, and he communes with them, even though he's disguised as an Egyptian, because he loves them, and he wants to be with them. And you could almost see him say, boy, it's been such a long time, you don't know how much I've yearned. You don't know how much I've yearned to be with you, to talk with you, and just to enjoy your presence. I mean, he wants to be with his brothers, he wants to talk with his brothers. He wants to enjoy his brothers, even if he has to do it through the disguise of being an Egyptian, because he knows their prejudice against him. And at the end of the day, Joseph would say, that was one of the best days of my life, because I got time to spend with my brothers again. Today, I got to do what I longed to do for all my life, just enjoy my brothers, my brothers. So when it says in verse 24 that Joseph communed with them, it shows us just how much Joseph really did love his brothers. It shows how much Joseph wanted to have a relationship with them again and just talk and be together and enjoy each other. When it says Joseph communed with them, it's a remarkable statement because it shows us how much he just wants to be with them. It shows us just how much Joseph wanted the sin that separated them to be put behind so that he could commune with them. And after all, after all the things that that Joseph's brothers had done to him, after everything that they had done to him, you know what Joseph wanted? He just wanted to be a brother to his brothers. Joseph just wanted his brothers to be a brother to him. It's wonderful to have a brother. I should know, I don't have one. (laughs) I have half of one. No, it's wonderful to have a brother and to be a brother. And when it says that Joseph communed with them, it shows how much he wanted that. He wanted that. From the words of commune with them, we could just see how much he loves them. And we would say here that Joseph is very strong to not hate his brothers, to want to love his brothers who hated him. It shows the strength to overcome and to break through these barriers of bitterness and hatred of what happened in the past, break through those barriers to love his brothers. It's all a picture of the love of God. It's a picture of the love of God that was so strong that even when we hated God, in Romans 5.8, Romans 5.8, it says, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet his enemies, that Christ died for us. And in 1 John 4.9, 1 John 4.9, and this was manifested the love of God toward us, Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. It's just not easy for us to understand. But just as we see Joseph in verse 24, loving his brothers who were his enemies, 
wanting to commune with them in the same way it's not easy for us to understand, but it's true. God loves man who is his enemy, and he wants to commune with man, and that's why God sent his son, and it couldn't be more beautifully stated than in John 3.16, where God so loved the world, the world of his enemies, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever among his enemies believes into him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. But there's going to be no restoration here. There's going to be no restoration of friendship and brotherhood unless they repent. So now comes the other side of Joseph. This is like a, a, like a schizophrenic, you know, this person. You know. But the other side of Joseph where we read at the end of verse 24 that he took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. Right before their eyes, Joseph takes Simeon and he ties him up. I mean, what a shocking scene that was for the brothers. They probably looked at each other and said, I thought we were making headway. We were talking together. And why do you think that of all the brothers, Joseph decided to choose Simeon? Who was the firstborn? Reuben. Reuben. Joseph knew that, that Reuben was the firstborn. That should have been Joseph's choice. But Joseph just heard how Reuben (laughs) tried to save his life tried to rescue him. So he didn't want to terrorize Reuben. Who was the second born of the brothers? It was Simeon. Simeon was the second born. So Joseph chose Simeon because he was the second born. And there was a particular cruelty to Simeon among the brothers, to Simeon and Levi. And Jacob's last words to Simeon and Levi, they put it out there pretty plainly. In uh, Genesis 49.5, Genesis 49.5, when Jacob said on his deathbed, Simeon and Levi are brethren, instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. Oh, my soul, come not nigh unto their secret, unto their assembly. Mine honor, be not thou united, for in their anger they slew a man. Their self-will, they dig down a wall. This is all referring to Shechem. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So it was Simeon and Levi who murdered all those men in Shechem when it says in Genesis 34, 25. You remember Genesis 34, 25 came to pass on the third day when they were sore because they tricked them into becoming circumcised. The two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dina's brethren, took each man his sword and came upon the city boldly and slew all the males. That meant that Simeon, in particular, he needed to be broken. He needed to be broken. He needed to be brought to repentance. He needed a special terror, you know. So Joseph chose to terrorize Simeon and bind him up there before all of his brothers. It might have been also because Simeon, he was a pretty hard-hearted character person. Shouldn't call him a character loving brother. He wasn't, but anyway. But Simeon probably was acting less concerned than all the brothers. And so Joseph focused on Simeon. Now, it might have been that Joseph also figured out that Simeon was probably the most likely of all the brothers to tell Jacob, that brother we left down there, he's got to get sacrificed because we're not going back down there, you know. Just let him go and not return to Egypt. But one thing's for sure, and this terrorized Simeon and the brothers who watched Simeon be bound before their eyes. It was a harsh treatment. It was harsh, but it was needed. Kind of like the surgeon, this cancer surgeon, who wants to make sure that all the cancer's removed 
So what does he do? He makes these incisions farther and deeper than the actual cancer is to, just to make sure it's all removed. And it causes extra pain. And so even though Joseph has heard his brother say, we are verily guilty concerning our brother, Joseph says, okay, well, that's the tumor. Now I got to do some cutting around there. That's not enough. That's not enough for Joseph to give him the assurance that the cancer of sin has been removed from them. So by binding Simeon, Joseph's like the surgeon. He's making a deeper and more painful incision to make sure that the cancer of sin is removed. So he's binding Simeon before their eyes, and he's wounding his brothers, just as King Solomon said a true friend does in Proverbs 27.6. Proverbs 27.6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. See, whereas an enemy comes and kisses with the kisses of flattery, just like Satan came to the Lord in the temptation and flattered him. Oh, you have the ability to turn these rocks into stones and you're the son of God. That's the kisses of an enemy. Like how Judas betrayed the Lord with a kiss. But the Hebrew words here about these kisses in Proverbs has this connotation of an abundant and frequent many kisses. So the kisses over and over again. But we see Joseph here being a faithful friend and wounding his brothers by binding Simeon in front of them. When a friend wounds, it's because of love. It's because of truthfulness. And David showed us how these wounds were good wounds when he said in Psalm 141.5, Psalm 141.5, let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil which shall not break my head. See, the wounds of a friend are kindness. The wounds of a friend are excellent oil on the head that gives like a pleasant perfume. So Simeon has to be singled out and bound. Now, what do you think that Simeon was thinking when he was singled out and bound? What do you think was on his mind? Now it's his turn. I'm finally getting what's coming to me. <laughs> it's been a long time. I'm the one that led that mass murder of those Shechemites. You know, he's probably thinking... What we read in Jeremiah thirty-one nineteen, I did bear the reproach of my youth. That was a long time ago, but it's coming around, you know. Now we see Joseph's next move in verse 25. Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man of money in the sack and give them provision of the way. Thus he did unto them. So they bought the corn and Joseph has their sacks filled with the corn. And then he does something very strange. He puts the money back in. He buries it in the large sacks of corn And he doesn't really want them getting into these large sacks, so he gives them extra sacks of food to last on their way home. And so, now this seems very strange because Joseph is pursuing a hard line with his brothers. Why do you suppose that he gave their money back to them? (laughs) Okay, to show them mercy. Where did that money come from? Who gave him that money? Jacob. That was Joseph's father's money. He saw right through that. He said, that money came from my father. There's no way I'm going to take the money of my father. And so again, we see this tender side of Joseph and his kindness. He wants to send his family back with the food, but he doesn't want to take their money. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.